Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that's, well, not as bad as I thought it'd be. <laughs> Look, on this podcast, we mediocrely talk about <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to, to have, have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is the legend, Carrie. And Jason, the favorite. Also the one who's afraid of getting punched in the throat. Yeah. I'm sorry. From Facebook Warriors. I will not threaten to punch you in the throat. Anymore? Well, today. Okay. Maybe. (laughs) I'm such a horrible person. You are not. You are not a horrible person. You know who's a horrible person? Whomever invented marshmallow Oreos. They're kind of gross. I think you are going to be alone on that hill. Oh, it's they're gross. They taste like all they like somebody held a marshmallow. They're like that that the flavored water we have now. You know where they take a fruit and hold it next to the plant where they make the water. And that's <laughs> what they say the flavor is. That's what it's like. You know, rumors, but marshmallow. The rumor is they're going to do Twix Oreos. Okay, I'm interested in that. I'm interested. Yeah. We'll see. Didn't they do some turtle Oreos? I don't know, but they need to. Uh, Yes, snapping turtle Oreos. By that, I want to make it clear. I mean, like, caramel and chocolate, not... Oh. My bad. Let's talk about our Patreon. Let's talk about them. All right. So, we have a Patreon, and that means, basically, you can go to our Patreon.com slash Podcast, and you can commit to, to... Giving us a little bit of money every month that will get you free stuff. That's right. Including uh, postcards and books uh, and shout outs. And this is the part where we do the shout outs. Oh, we're doing shout outs? And I'll yeah. scratch your back at a con if you're at wizard level. <laughs> wow. Or above. Well, there you go. All right. Well, first up is uh, Joel Eastland. Who's going to get his back scratched, apparently. If he shows up at a con that I'm at. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Ryan Martin's going to get back scratches. It's not the first time for him, though. Whoa. <laughs> it's not the first time for Drew Stevens to get Drew his back scratch. Joe Hines. Joe not Hines. yet. I haven't made it to his uh, LARP, Lost Colonies, yet. But. But if I do. If you do, there's back a back scratch. scratch. That's right. What about Noah Coltrip? Well, you know, as a nurse, Noah always washes his hands. I was a that's, Yes, okay. Uh, and the, another thing is, since it's rare for his characters to live to any sort of ripe old age or high level, uh, he finds character deaths to really be just a part of life and something he rolls pretty easy with. He also tends to not play mages or clerics or druids or what have you uh, for basically the reason that he hates holding the game up trying to find exactly what he wants to do. Uh, he also uh, has has some work he needs to do on, on histories, like character histories. Uh, he really enjoyed the episode of our podcast that we did about character histories quite a bit because uh, it pointed out to him that it gives you know GMs places to work from and stuff absolutely yeah. there we go so that's what's up with Noah Coltrane that is what and then, and then Sarah can get a back scratch too yeah huh? well if you'd like a shout out we'd love to give or you a back one. scratch you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting around this table, 
doing a podcast. That's right. All right. Yeah, what have yeah. you been up to, Carrie? Good. Sounds like you've not been getting enough sleep. I haven't been. I'm. I'm kind of. Uh, you still this, sick? Yeah, I'm still sick. And um, he should have already known that, really. Probably. I think think he's probably putting that out for the listeners. Oh, for the listeners? No, I actually, when we record this uh, podcast, I close my eyes. I hold them closed the whole time so that Mm. I can imagine what the podcast must look like. (laughs) Very dark. I'm always disappointed. (laughs) So... Have you been twitching? Uh, you show me some new cover art that you're working on, maybe? Yeah, I've been, I've been doing a lot of art. I've jumped back into the saddle oil painting again, okay. um, which I haven't done for over a year, mm-hmm. but I need to <laughs> for this commission. So right. I've been doing a, a couple kind of like warm-up pieces for that kind so of no stuff. So no more uh, Rebel Street art kind of thing? What? (laughs) You know, where you sneak into various buildings and uh, put up all your... uh... You mean gallery shows? No. No, but I want all my gallery shows to be called Rebel... What did you say? Rebel Rebel Street Street Art? Art. Rebel Street Art. That's what... That's that's, good. I think if I ever get my own show, that's what it's going to be called. I I thought everybody knew you were Bansky. Bansky? (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce it. Wow. (laughs) So I've been oil painting uh, my Nightbot... On my Twitch is broken, so it's only playing techno music, which is really weird. Oh, okay. And I don't know how to fix it. I really only know one techno song, and I just imagine it's the one everybody knows. You know, the one that has the lyric, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's on my playlist. <laughs> well, it will be when I get home. There we go. La, la, la. What have you been um, up to, Jason? Uh, so I had the week of the fourth off. I was originally going to work, but it just it didn't work out. So uh, it was great. We did a little hiking. We uh, spent a lot of time together with family stuff, and uh, helped my dad move a Coke machine and install it. And that was awful. Those things are crazy <laughs> heavy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it was like uh, the guy told us it's like nine hundred pounds, and uh, it was was not fun getting that thing unloaded and moved. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of wanted a pop machine for like wherever, like when I was running LARP, I really wanted We one. would have broke even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, because I always wanted to have one when we had a, a stable location. Right. For where we were just LARPing. Just load it. And just load it up and be like, all right, everyone get your pop there. And- okay, so there's something interesting about that. Mm-hmm. Most of them won't let you set the process to free. At least that's what the guy told us when we were buying one, that you can't set it to... Like, you know, you can set a, an arcade up to play well, f- for free. Right. No free play for vending machines. Weird. Mm. Yeah. My dad has one that he... he I guess he must have rewired it. That doesn't well, surprise it, I me. I bet it's an it's old... Yeah. Older ones maybe yeah. can, but the, the the brand that dad bought, there's no yeah, way Yeah, because this is it. like an old RC machine, and he put it in his garage and then fills it with beer. Yeah. And then you just walk up and press the button, and it... <laughs> Drops down a beer. It's great. It's great. Well, it's junk beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Bud Light. So, speaking of machines like that, right? This is a little bit of a tangent. That's okay. When um when this I is used your to, time. yeah, thanks. Um, when I used to do Rocky Horror, the um our cast leader was also the manager. He owned the theater that we performed in. Right. And so he had the key for the crane machine. So y'all played with the crane? Uh, we used to take stuff from virgins and put it in the crane machine and then make them play it. Oh, that crane machine. Yeah, what did you do? 
What? I'm just thinking of overhead cranes at work, and I just assumed the theater might have one to move stuff. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm picturing this <coughs> crane like no, rolling she over like the. A, she meant like a claw machine. You know, yeah, the, the I, claw. Yeah, that claw. Yeah. That's sorry. Okay, never mind. Jason's story was better. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of somebody's like socks or something hanging up there, like 50 feet up there, and he's over here with some crane Frank, control. Frankenfurters on the crane coming down. Yeah, no, not like. That would be awesome, though. Frankenfurter riding a crane down as a first appearance. Would that not be cool? It would be the opposite of an elevator, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. The opposite? Well, you know, because he, I think, doesn't he? He comes up. Because he, <clears throat> yes. let me put on my Rocky Horn nerd. He comes up moment. from the bottom from of the From the lab. So he ah. comes up from the lab to meet them in the hallway when they do the time warp. Okay. Ryan, what are you doing? What's up? Well, nothing. Okay. Yeah, I've actually had pretty uneventful, not a lot to report kind of week. I demand more. Yeah, I know. Ashley. Me too. Ashley, the the guy that's working on the gum butt with me, his whole house came down with foot and mouth. Hand, foot, mouth disease. I'm glad he's very happy. Yeah, (laughs) so I haven't seen him in a week. I am Uh, also glad you have not seen him. We're starting to do some work, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland Geekster. It's the toy and comic book show that I run Mm -hmm. here in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's coming up on September 21st. And it's going to have gun belt previews? I don't know what it's going to have, but I know that we're starting to, you know, we're starting to have to get into the business of that. You know, mm-hmm. making sure all the vendors are taken care of and all that stuff as we get closer. So, uh, but otherwise, that keeps getting bigger, doesn't it? I can't yeah, talk to yeah. them. It's pretty. pretty um, awesome. How many people do you guys pull every year now? Ten million. <laughs> <laughs> bigger than Dragon Con. Yeah, we yeah. no, we got about about eight or nine hundred people. And I know That's it sounds funny to it sounds weird to have like a gap a, a count gap of a hundred people. You know, eight or nine hundred. But the reality is like. Uh, you never really know how many how many vendor people are there and how many there there is a little and bit of you guys yeah. don't count like the little ones either. It, well, right? we we try to count them, but we right. you know they get in free and so it's not always a perfect. It's harder to keep track. Okay, yeah. Well. So that's so it. When is that again? September twenty first. Yeah, everybody who goes to that will get a free back rub if they're a. Uh, if you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Does this dollars? Does this? <laughs> Yeah, so you'll be there 10 to 5 at the Cleveland State Community College Gymnasium. I don't know if it'll be there as late as 5. Cleveland Geekstar. If you are a wizard, come by and I will give you a back rub. Oh, goodness. All right, let's go, let's go to combat rounds. Welcome to combat. I feel like we should have the Stranger Things music now because no. Jason was just playing. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> How much would it cost to uh, to get that? Oh my gosh, more than we pay you. Oh, oh. so no, like free tacos once a month? No, <laughs> nope. I right. give up free tacos once a month. Would you? Yeah. If yeah. if we got to use the Stranger Things music license, <laughs> I don't know that I would give up free tacos for that. Uh, I can pay for my own tacos if. We get licensed Stranger Things. Can you pay for your own license for Stranger Things? No. Yeah. I can barely pay to watch it. That's the dilemma. Well, this week, our topic is ethics. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So this is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to actually kind of just lead this along a little bit. 
All right. And I want you guys to to talk about stuff. Okay, that's fair. All right. Talk, so talk amongst yourselves. We're going to talk uh, about <laughs> ethics itself. Do that voice from ever. Right. <laughs> Start now. Don't ever stop. Let's talk about ethics now. Oh. That wasn't quite right. No. <laughs> You're dialing it in. Yeah. We're going to talk about general general ethics first as a concept because I think that it's important to understand ethics before we talk a little bit about player ethics and storyteller ethics. So as a person who works in a professional setting, oh. it's like a big deal where you It's work, a huge right? deal. It's a huge deal. And so, uh, but there are some things about it that are not as simple as we think. Okay. And so we're going to have a conversation and sort of figure that out. Okay. What are ethics? Uh, it's a system of behaviors that uh, generally, I don't know, I'm good there. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I I think I intuit what it means, but it's hard to describe. I had an English teacher in high school who once assigned us to write a paper and define truth. Right. But you could not define truth using the words true or false. Okay. So you had to just define truth on its own. And you said Webster's Dictionary defines the word truth. That begins with a T. It's incredibly difficult to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is the point. Like, you know, it's really easy to say, well, well, what's a truth? Or even to, to illustrate it better, flip it around. Mm-hmm. What what does it mean for something to be false? Well, it means it's not true. Right. But right. if you can't use those two words, you have to... What's it mean yeah. to be true? Right. Well, it's something that's not false. What? Right. Um, so ethics are kind of... Did you get an A? On the paper. On the paper. I don't even remember. Oh. This is like 50 years ago. I would remember that. That is true. Do we have any other thoughts on what ethics might be? I I tend to think heavy things like this. It's, you know, ethics is just not being a dick. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, that's part of it. You know, not just just not being a jerk, being treating people how you want to be treated golden rule stuff. Mm-hmm. This is something that's going on on the internet right now, too, is there's a lot of pushback on Wheaton's Law. You yeah. Know, because don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. Right. It so sounds who, simple. But who decides what being a dick means? Right. Mm-hmm. And what happens when people use it against someone? Well, it you're, shuts you're, it down. Right. You're saying that I inappropriately touched you, but I really think you're being a dick accusing me of that when there's no proof. So don't be a dick. So don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Jason, to go with what you said first, uh, it's kind of a principle to guide decisions. Okay, I like that. Right. People would say that it's, it's a framework of uh, that guides your choices. Um, it's the principles that guide your behavior uh, or govern behaviors. Uh, so that's kind of one, one angle of, of ethics. I'm saying it's interesting because that's sort of morally neutral. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not saying... For positive outcomes or for good things, it's just saying it's a framework. Right. And that, and as a great example of that, a lawful evil character. Might have an ethical framework. Actually has to have an ethical framework because right. that's the lawful part. Yes. Right. But, that, but whose ethics? Okay. How do those ethics apply? Uh, the second thing is ethics tend to be some sort of definition of what is right and what is wrong. Okay. That would be more of a the colloquial meaning. Right. Think of the, like doing the right thing uh, or, or having moral values. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Those are unethical. Standards of what's right and wrong and mm-hmm. knowing the difference. Okay. But who decides uh, – whose morals? Right. Whose morals are they? Who, who decides those, those standards? Now, again, that's kind of the biggest dilemma with, with ethics 
is that it's really tough to define just exactly what it is. You can define what it is as it's a standard of principles sure, about what is viewed as or accepted as right and wrong. But beyond that, you can't really define the right, the wrong, the principles, or the standards mm-hmm. without applying it to something. And that's kind of the dilemma of, of ethics. So typically, there are two ways that ethics come about. They're either sourced internally or sourced externally. Okay, so an external source of ethics would be the law. Okay. Right? The right. government. What the, the federal government creates laws. Externally, there are things like, like paying taxes. Is that morally right or wrong? I mean, you know, we could joke and say that it's wrong. Or it's questionable. Beca- but but, it's but we not. could also say that it, it's morally right because it's things like, it's also things like Medicaid mm-hmm. and Medicare. Like a lot of people feel like those things are, I mean, that's an argument in society right now is, is entitlement programs being, being right that, or wrong. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but there's plenty of arguments to be had on the morality of, uh, using law as your system of ethics. Right. So, but that is an example of, of, of an external source of ethics. They're, they're the culture standards. Uh, they're typically set up by a body of people in advance of interacting with them. So this might be like uh, the Society of Engineers? Or it might be the, the board of directors at your LARP organization. Okay. They have, they have decided... Uh, for example, it is they have decided it is ethical to only earn 10 XP a month and no more. So any system with rules and expected behaviors is a system of ethics because it's an expected behavior. Okay, that be and behavior is not always uh, it's, behavior doesn't always mean behavior like right or wrong. Behavior also just means uh, the things that you do, like not earning more than 10 XP a month right. when that's the law. Right. And there may be no moral weight to it whatsoever. Right. It's just how we should behave based on these rules. Exactly. Now, there are some rules that uh, some of them make sense. Don't kill somebody. Right. <laughs> right. It's pretty yeah. obvious. Right. But then, but that one is not just externally sourced. That is also internally sourced because internally that is part of your personal moral compass. Okay. Hopefully. Right. Yes. Don't kill a good person. Well, let's even go so far as to qualify it because I think there would be a lot of people who would say, well, you should kill someone who's raped a bunch of children. And maybe that's maybe that's what you believe and maybe that's okay. But I don't know. Debatable questions. But, right. but like a, a good person, you would not just say it's okay to just kill someone. Right. Uh, and so it's a personal, an internal source of ethics is your personal moral compass. So it's guided by your conscience. Uh, it's guided by your moral compass. And those things determine your personal sense of what is good and evil. So it's like your personal belief system is your internal yes. code of ethics. To go back to the Dungeons and Dragons thing, mm-hmm. the internal source is good, neutral, or evil. Right. Okay. And external right. is law lawful versus lawful chaotic. or chaotic. Okay. Does it, does this make sense? Sure. Um, so these are really huge concepts, but they they can apply even to something as simple as the Dungeons and Dragons alignment system. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the the dilemma where we get into the wishy washy is who's making the laws, right? And who whose moral compass are we using? What is a lawful good character in 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 a mob? You know, like in the Godfather films, right? You know, is not the same as what a lawful good character would be. You know, in, uh, in just a, a normal guy, a normal guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. One of the other things that we need to think about about ethics is that the whole point of ethics 
is sort of hinged upon this idea of valuing others. Okay. Because ethics can't exist if they are not being judged in a way uh, mm-hmm. by yourself and also the society and culture around you. So ethics typically affect others positively or negatively, and they create community standards, and they often can even come into contrast with your self-interest. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having like weird flashbacks to The Good Place. Oh, yeah. The, what is ethics? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a philosophical component to the whole thing. What, there is. There what is. is really ethical? What matters? Kind of what you're talking about. Right. I guess why this matters. Why, wh- how does this... Uh, okay, I've got why are, You're <laughs> asking why are ethics important. That's why? a good one. <laughs> <laughs> why the hell are we talking about this? Well, ethics are important for starters because they build trust. Oh, okay. Because you have a system that makes people behave predictably. And, and creates so, expectations. So even if it's imperfect, but you understand what people are going to do then that's something you can work within. Right. Generally, I assume when I step outside the house, no one is going to murder me. Right. So you don't necessarily come out guns blazing. Well. Because you have an expectation. I just punch people in throats. Throat punching. Throat punching. In In a tabletop game, you just assume people, you come out assuming people are telling you what they actually rolled on their dice. Right. We just, it's a, it builds trust. And in a role-playing game, this is something that I say all the time, trust kind of enables risk. And it yeah. makes everything... So having a strong ethical framework in society, in your workplace, at uh, your church, at whatever social group you're part of... In your makes, gaming community. In your gaming community, allows you to trust the people around you. And when you trust them... You can take bigger risks. You can do more interesting things. You can, regardless of what system we're talking about. You can trust people that they aren't cheating. You can trust people that when they tell you, my character has a secret that actually explains this, but I can't tell you it at this time. Right. You accept yeah. that. Uh, you trust that your storyteller told you, no, you can't do that because of reasons that mm-hmm. actually matter, even so if he can't they tell you what they are. Because you all have agreed to the same ethical framework. Right. And that's the reason why people get so upset when they catch people cheating or something like that. Because you have violated this ethical... You've uh, violated their trust. Ethical behavior is what supports a functioning society and community. So, And if you violate this, it causes that community to start to break down. You know, that might be... You know, we always talk about how if someone's being a creeper at your tables, like, people will, like, put up with that way longer... Then they'll put up with someone cheating at dice. Right. Because it's an obvious breach of ethics. Uh, of the trust. If you're cheating. Mm-hmm. But the person who's being creepy, it's less than obvious. That's probably why it's so hard for LARP orgs and individual games to write really good ethical codes is because borderline behavior can be very dangerous, but it's difficult to legislate. Yes. Yeah. Gray, the gray areas are a nightmare at, at organizational level. I, I yeah. bet that's absolutely true at your work because it certainly is at mine. Right. Uh, where is the line that someone can push? I'm super thankful I don't work in human resources. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, back when we were part of an org, that's the one job that I would not take. The ombudsman? Right. In, in underground theater, it was an ombudsman. But there is a position like that in a lot of gaming communities. Because you're the person who has to make some sort of call. Right. And if you get it wrong, you're the only person in there who's really obligated by law 
to do the best job. If I'd been a terrible storyteller, I could have lost my position. Nobody is going to accidentally end up hurting someone if you tell a bad story. Right, right. <laughs> now, if I'm a bad storyteller, even if I cheat, I've made a bad experience. Right. But, but I've not ruined someone's life. Or fi- you've not physically endangered somebody. No. Yeah. But if I make the wrong call about a person and game that might be dangerous, mm. I've either uh, thrown somebody out of a game who didn't deserve it and made their life worse because right. I've isolated them from their social structure. Right. Or I've allowed a dangerous person to come to game and threaten others and maybe been responsible for something really terrible, which is why I don't want to do that. I'm terrible at it. I also think ethical behavior promotes uh, people working together. Because you you can predict each other. uh, Great gaming communities work because they feel like a community. And communities happen because people feel like there's a partnership, that we're collaborating to tell this story. Uh, Even if you're the storyteller and I'm just a player and and we really go hardline with those distinctions. Old school almost. Yeah. uh, It's still, we are still trusting one another to be working together so that we all have a good time Friday night. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think that ethical behavior is important for, for promoting those sort of collaborations. And it, it also uh, makes things, and, and this is this is sort of like the funny one because it doesn't sound like this should be consequential, but it's huge for many people. It fosters consistency. Because I, again, I know what to predict. I know the sorts of situations. I know the kinds of people. That makes me feel yeah. safe. I know that when somebody does this unacceptable behavior, they will be addressed in this way. Right. Every Something time. is going to happen. Yeah. So and how do are we to the point where I can ask you how we start making these systems? Because you helped write the code of conduct for underground theater. Well, and it was okay. And, I, and I'm not. I'm only saying okay. Kind of like this podcast. Well, it, it was. was okay. It was. It was okay because I had to build it. From By committee. One of the dilemmas, I'm, I'm about to... <coughs> soapbox. <coughs> yeah. I pull out my soapbox. Um, hey, that's mine. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> one, of, one of the problems with developing the disciplinary policy for underground theater, the code of conduct, yes. uh, was that it had to be developed by a committee. Sure. Which means you had seven people who all had thoughts about what it should be based on their past experiences. Right. And some of them were very bad experiences. So they were definitely trying to prevent that stuff. And some of them were amazing experiences, and they didn't feel like we needed to be that strict. Okay. And so you've got this balance of what is good or, or not so good, and I mean that little G, not like big G, good evil, uh, but what is appropriate. Best practices. Right. Everybody has a different idea of what a best practice is, and, and that actually in a strange way, created inconsistency in trying to develop those rules. It's difficult to, to do anything with committee. Yes. Especially a committee that big. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, what should have happened was that, uh, in my opinion, what should have happened was everybody should have wrote down the things they feel strongly about enforcing and the things that they feel strongly about making sure are enabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one person, whether that's me or somebody else, but one person should have taken those all together and, and built it. Okay. But, but that again, building anything by committee is difficult. And it doesn't matter if it's a code of conduct or if it's, you know, the <laughs> house. It doesn't we've, matter. We've all written plots in which a bunch of people were contributing at once. Right. And it dilutes. Yeah. It's like you see a movie with like seven or eight people who wrote it. 
half the time it's going to be bad. Right. Now, what's interesting about this is this is also why ethical systems are so problematic is because ethical systems are built by committee. Right. But not in the way you think. When I say it's built by committee, though, I'm not referring to the people. I'm referring to the types of ethics. So there are four types of ethics. We're, we're about to we're about to get very. Let's get our deep dive, right? Uh, so there's four types of ethics. There's duty ethics, virtue ethics, consequential ethics, and relationship ethics. Okay. All right. So let's talk about duty ethics first. Duty ethics are are like the simplest. It's, it's just things I'm obligated to do. Do it's it's do the right thing. Okay. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Don't do the things that are the wrong things to do. Avoid those things because they're bad. Okay. Right? Uh, it's, it's kind of at its most simplest. Uh, it is wrong to kill innocent people. It is wrong to steal. It okay. is wrong to lie. Right? So ultimately it's all about not harming others because it's the wrong thing to do. It, it's about a universe of moral rules. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, now, again, here's, here's a flaw with duty ethics, though. It's wrong to tell lies. But what about white lies that are protecting people from things? Right? That becomes you start, questionable. You yes. get the moral ambiguity, ambiguities again. It is wrong to kill people, but what about uh, what about murderers who uh, are what sentenced to death? What if For I'm some trying people, to protect myself from somebody else, and the only way I can do it is to fight back? It's wrong to steal, but what I stole was that guy's gun because he was about to go kill a bunch of people with it. Or the, the yeah. old bread to feed my family. Right. That is uh, duty ethics. The next one is virtue ethics. So virtue ethics are built on uh, are, are built on virtues, literally honesty, courage, compassion, generosity, uh, integrity. You know, so you take fair, the, fairness. You take these right? virtues and you try to apply them to any given situation. Yes, but the dilemma is what is fair is not always what is right. So you have to balance them. Nor is it always what is best. Okay. So suddenly there you have problems. Uh, the next one is consequential ethics. Um, consequential ethics is – remember the example we gave a few minutes ago where, like, where I said uh, uh, I stole the gun because that guy was going to kill people right. with it, right? Well, that's about – that consequential ethics says that it's okay that I stole the gun because not stealing the gun would have had worse consequences. So you should always be judging what the outcome of your thing – Action's going to be not whether it's virtuous in and of itself, yes, but if the outcome is virtuous. In a, a just sort of a, a connected way, I just want to point out that consequentialism is kind of what this is called, and sure. it's it's really the core of the trolley problem. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's like yeah. if more people are going to die, then should I act? And right. that's the real question. But the reason the trolley problem gets gets complicated is because then it starts drawing on all of these the other. It starts drawing on duty ethics. Is it okay to kill anyone? No, you need and to explain what the trolley the tr- is for people. Most people should know, but oh. if they don't. Well, yeah, but I mean, I didn't know until I watched uh, okay. was it, The Good, the good Place. place. Talk about. Uh, the, the, the trolley. Also, watch The Good Place. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. The idea is that there's a trolley or train that can't stop in time, and if it goes to the right, it'll kill one person and it'll go to the left it'll kill like three people and you get to pick and you get to you can throw the switch to make it 
run over whoever you want to run over or, or not run over. Right. And so it's makes you think about the consequences of, you know, like what, what if those, what if, what if the one person is a child? Is that child's life more important than older people's or, you know, or if one person is a criminal or, and so right. it just gets heavy and complicated to think about. And that starts to affect the, the interaction of all of these. Uh, and then the last one is relationship ethics. And this is when we, twist our ethics because we have a relationship with someone. Oh, it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's important. Relationship ethics, I'll tell you when relationship ethics comes up the most in gaming communities. There's no way that that person could have possibly sexually abused somebody else. I know them. They're great friends. (sighs) Right? But that's like the first argument that we always hear when somebody says... They, they spoke to me inappropriately or they touched me inappropriately or whatever. The very first response is, but I, I know Brian. Brian wouldn't have done that. Right. Because that's, that's drawing our ethics based on the relationships we have. And as humans, relationship ethics are very important to us because we are relators. We are naturally We're relators. social creatures. And we, you know what? I do obviously treat people differently based on how they treat me. I mean, I know that I do that. Right. Everyone, and maybe everyone does. maybe you shouldn't because you should treat her very fairly. Yeah. But also I'm going to treat my wife better than other people because she's my wife and I care about her opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. Of me. So that's sort of the that's sort of the the whole of of ethics. So um, let's apply this to gaming. I don't want to get into talking about ethics as a gaming organization because I feel like that gets us into a lot of weeds. Mm-hmm. I think Let's if we just, apply what we're going to talk about, you can kind of figure that out on yourself because right. it's ultimately a personal decision of your organization exactly what you're going to do. So let's instead just focus on on players and then storytellers because that's what we ultimately have the most experience being. All games have players and all games have game runners. Right. Of some sort. Yes. And a lot of these are going to apply to both. I think we would all agree that honesty is terribly important. Yeah. Absolutely. If I can't trust my player, if I can't trust other players, if I can't trust my storyteller to tell me the truth, at least why they can't tell me something, then that's it. Rock bottom right there. Right. The bedrock. I feel like connected to that is is that ethic of, of listening to people. So I need, if I, I need to feel heard. Right. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, if I have a complaint, I want to know that you heard it and will react. Honesty does no good if it falls on deaf ears. Okay. So if I tell you the truth, but you're obviously not listening, it doesn't matter what I said. That's right. good life advice. Yeah, yeah. Well, life is kind of like a game. It is like a game. <laughs> and it, this, this also means that it's important to communicate what your needs are. Yes. So I have an obligation to tell you if, for example, I um, am allergic to something, if I might possibly be exposed to it. Right. Because otherwise, you may just have vanilla there, and you're going to spray people with it, and you thought everybody was okay with it. I'm allergic to nuts, so keep Jason away from me. Yeah. Because that guy. You're absolutely right. You know, if, if you so, you know, if you have a fear of spiders, and you do not tell the people running the game that you are afraid of spiders and they run a plot that they spring on everybody with spiders and they went out and bought fake spiders to to show everyone at the table and all that 
and you completely freak out. It's a little bit on you. It's a little bit on you. Well, it's it's a little bit on you, and it, but it's definitely not on your game runner. Because so, they had no idea. Well, no, it's not. It's not on the game runner at all. If they did it maliciously, you know, and as a game runner, I'm not going to go, hey, everybody sitting at my table, I just want to make sure that no one is arachnophobic, right? And then you're going to throw the spiders? Yeah, yeah, and then when they say yes, I will. No, no. No. But I'm just saying, like, you know, if you have some kind of a... Um, so content warnings are appropriate. We've talked about those before. But there is also an expectation of you to tell me. Right. But I'm saying you can't have a content warning for everything. Right. You know, and as a storyteller, part of the fun of telling a story is getting to surprise your players. And as a player, part of the fun of having a story told to you is being surprised. And you can't have that. If your st- if your storyteller, if your game runner has to tell you the entire plot before they run it, I think that there's a very delicate balance between trigger warning, sensitivity, and immersion. Yeah, and and where responsibilities lie. Yeah, and I think that as a player, you should be proactive and and let people know because that's first of all for you personally, that's going to get you your best results. Mm-hmm. And if you have a table or a gaming community that really feels strongly about, you know, there are no warnings here, then make sure you have some sort of safety mechanic, whether it's an X card or, yeah. you know, some sort of, you know, the, the OK check right. uh, that they do in a lot of LARPs. You know, like that's the purpose of those things. And it can be anything yeah. as long as it works for your group. Uh, the X card in particular, that's the one where you touch the card in the middle of the table. Right. says, don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Correct. Yeah. There's also a lot of people who say that you should practice those before the game starts because that makes it socially acceptable to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. if everyone has seen everyone else touch that X card, it's not weird if you have to then. Right, and yep. it's weird because it's one of those things where you think, well, that one was just pretend. It doesn't yeah, really matter. but it doesn't. But your brain doesn't work like that. Nope. <laughs> okay, so what's next, Ryan? Well, I, I also think when we talk about communicating your needs, I also think that, that, that it's not just uh, things like phobias and, and triggers and things, but I also think it, it can just be... It can also be things like just issues you may have. Like, like if you have to take certain medicines? Or, oh my gosh, yeah. If you have like medicine. Off, off your medicine, people. <laughs> Would you say that it's unethical to come to game knowing that you have a serious problem that is not dealt with? Oh, that I could see. be a danger to others. Yes. It is very unethical. If you, if you have not taken medication and your behavior is, is behavior that someone else might have to justify with the words, sorry, he's not on his medication right now, then you should not be at game. Because you need to recover and deal with that. Because you should be- Your health is more important than a game. And we want to be accessible, but your uh, accessibility can't be dangerous right. for others. Like- so if you have issues, you need to, to broach them up front. And, you know, we talk about accessibility for things like uh, like folks in a wheelchair, for example. Uh, in I think that there is also a responsibility if you are the one in the wheelchair to ask, is this accessible for me? Right. You know, just as it's it's the game runner's responsibility to try to make it as accessible as possible. If they don't know that the game site needs to have a wheelchair ramp. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the first time we've been to game site is when we played there. Yeah. Or <laughs> we don't always know. We right? haven't had a chance to really walk it down. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's on us, but the more we know, the more we can look for. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 
So please tell us if you have an accessibility issue. Well, tell your staff, whoever's your staff, running your yes. game. Yeah. No, just tell us. Just, Email just, us. We'll just tell on a roll. <laughs> and we'll deal no. with it. Wait, did we decide what we're going to call them? Because no. I really like orites. No, we're not calling our, our listeners orites. I like it. Maybe rollers. I don't know. Rollers is okay. It's my second choice. No. Ryan. Yes. yes. What do you have? I think that I think that as much as we share all of those communication things, we also share safety responsibilities. What do you mean by that? I mean it quite literally safety as in uh, if game is in a bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. we, sh- we should perhaps consider walking to and from our vehicles in groups. So just basic courtesy where safety is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think... It can apply in the other way where it's, for example, if you see someone treating someone else poorly, you need to let someone know. Right. And, and perhaps even intervene, but do tell staff. I think if it's something that's happening right away, intervene. And if it's something that isn't um, physically harmful, go get staff. Right. It's always better for staff or your person running the game to be the one to deal with it than for you as a player to pull somebody off unless you're friends with them. If right, someone is going means. to actually be hurt, you should right. stop it. Yes. Yeah, do what you can. Yeah. Do what yeah. you feel comfortable doing and get help. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why you want staff to do it, though, is because they're already in a position of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially at, at LARPs, there may be insurance policies and things that can be void if the wrong person tries to handle the mm-hmm. wrong situations. That's true. And I know that sounds terribly, like, businessy and silly, like, but so people's safety is more important. People's safety is more important, but let the guy running the game make that call. Well, and more than that, if you intervene and that person gets hurt, they may not get any insurance help from from the mm-hmm. where sure. the game had right. a policy. That's fair. So it's a judgment call. Just be aware that there's it's more complicated than it sounds. I think we should also be open to criticism. As a player? As a player, absolutely. That doesn't sound right at all. What? How dare you? <laughs> You're doing this podcast wrong, Carrie. <laughs> I quit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think we need to be open to criticism. And this is not just for those around us, because if you are, for example, playing a character that is really disruptive and making it not fun for others, maybe those others need to let you know, because we don't always know what is broken. Kind of, we, we can't fix what we don't know is broken. Kind of comes back to honesty. Be right. honest with other people. Hey, I just want you to know, like, hey, I know you didn't do it on purpose, but I would have liked to have had a moment tonight. And uh, if, if you could help me have a little space next time, I would really appreciate it. Honesty, yeah. honesty involves communication, and communication is not just talking. It's also being heard. Right. I think that also comes back to trust. We need to, by default, trust the other people. To accept criticism as long as we give it from an honest place. Right. It's like all of this connects. What? Everything does connect. And Jason, you had said uh, to that, you know, we as players, one of our responsibilities from an ethical standpoint is to be playing the game that that's being run. You know what? I can't tell you how many arguments I've had over vampire games about, well, I didn't, I didn't want a PvP or I thought this was explicitly PvP and... When you're starting a game, you need to tell people basics like that. But then when you're playing that game, you need to play the one that you've agreed to. And that's something we've talked about a bunch. Yeah, yeah. But really, it's unethical to show up at a game and change what it's fundamentally about yeah. without the consent or knowledge of everybody else around you. Right. 
Because if I come in in here and start fundamentally changing the genre of the game that I'm playing, I've maybe started running a game, or as a player, changing the game to something that other people don't want to play. In the very least, you've certainly violated the trust. Because we're all trusting one another to be collaborating together. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about storytellers and game runners and dungeon masters then, and and Mm -hmm. their their sense of of ethics. I've got the most important thing right here. I'm going to say it right off the top. All right. Because to me... And I'm going to make a few people mad. Here we go. And I try not to do that, but this is for real. Don't play your own fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) Do not. I don't care if it's a tabletop game. Don't fucking play your game. You have too much weight in this game as the game runner. Even if you are making a character that's not important. It is. It's important because you wrote the fucking game. So everybody's going to pay attention to what you're doing no matter how important you're supposed to be. They care and about what you do. What you guys can't see is his arms are flailing This around. is how important it is to me. Like, like Kermit. <laughs> this is his soapbox, though. I mean, this, this is, is the Hill Jason. Borrow my soapbox. This is, but for real, this is the hill Jason dies on. It always has been. Yeah. If you're playing in your own game, nine times out of ten, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> so the the clear thing Jason is referring to is when you are running a game and as the game runner, you are also playing your PC. Okay, I, I would like to point out that's for tabletop and large. There's shades of gray here. Well, no, really, I'm there are. Mush, though... People play their characters in mushes. But in... Okay, but so in, in mush... People don't always know that you're a storyteller. That's true, too. There, There is an identity that uh, is true. curtain. Now, what I'm going to say is there is a caveat to that. The one out of ten. And that is, there's a lot of LARPs like Mush, in which collaboration is more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are LARPs that are that way. There are LARPs that way. I, there's, there's tabletop games in which you pass around who's in charge of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're all sort of the DM, storyteller. Yeah, whatever. yeah. And there may be, let's be honest, there may be a, a scene where someone comes up to you and says, hey... My character calls your character and just tells them that this is going on. Right. You and say, great. You tell him and he responds, okay. We'll, we'll talk about later. it tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Because maybe, maybe you're in an org, which means you play in, like we used to play in Atlanta, and we ran Chattanooga. Yeah. But I'm going to say something. Even that gives you more weight than perhaps you should rightfully have in well, that game. But, I mean, that's why... Jason, that's why you and I made such low-key characters. And even then, we would still go play in that game, and people would just turn to look at us for answers. Absolutely, because they knew that we were storytellers. And as storytellers, you should know genre better than an average player. And not just genre. They know you know what the game is run like. Yeah. You understand the tropes behind the curtains because storytellers talk to each other. Right. We frequently knew some plot details of an Atlanta. Yeah. Just because we were on the same storyteller page, so we heard them. Right. And that means you have a, an unfair advantage. And one of the things uh, that you've got to be careful of, too, is that if your character says something and it's wrong, because let's say your character just doesn't... Oh, know. I've seen this one. The players that hear that 
accept it as right because you're the storyteller. No, not even as right. They uh, they accept it as fundamentally truth. Right. Absolutely. Like, it's not like, well, Bob, the character, said this. They're like, no, there are unicorns in this universe. Carrie's character wouldn't have said that because Carrie knows that there are unicorns. So right. so there Obviously. are unicorns now. And, and we've like, seen, what? and this is really big deal. In, okay, this is a big deal in two situations that I've seen it. Org play, where you're in, like, usually some big World of Darkness org. Right. So some storyteller's character is, like, Making shit up constantly. Yeah. Because they think, hey, I'm just playing my character. Right. Playing this wacky Malkavian or something. Who likes to lie. Who likes to lie. Yeah. And what happens is people believe those lies because the whole thing, well, we know that guy's a storyteller. It must be true. And then five years later, you're playing in that game and people are like, well, no, uh, this is how this works. Because they now believe it. It's become tribal knowledge. Well, And it was never true. But, I mean, I did that. You, yeah, you did do that. I did do that. Like, I ha- I was in playing my werewolf character. I was playing the type of character. The description was that I pulled Joe. You know, I was playing a, a ragabash. So and you're doing that now. Your, your character now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But um, she's not a storyteller but now. She is not a storyteller. No. But I used to be a storyteller, and that still holds Still carry some weight, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like if I go, oh, no, there's such things as were-goats. Then people you believe would, it. And then people are like, well, clearly there were were-goats at some point. But, okay, here's another one. You're playing in a D&D game, and it's maybe one of the first ones you've played in ever, right? And the guy running it, usually, usually a guy running it, because this particular thing that they do, they have a character in it that they've been playing for 20 years. And they're playing in their own game with their own character. And even if that character's not that important, that character will say and do things, and then you will learn the game through their eyes. They call that DMPC. Yeah, it's awful for this reason. Because Sounds like a really bad band. Right. Yeah. Those people who play in that game will then run their own games later. And they think that's how it's done. One of the, the reasons that this is so dangerous is, beca- is because we judge ourselves by our motives, but others judge us by our actions. Yeah, I'm just playing and, a background character. What's the big deal? Right. I know that I'm not doing anything nefarious with this character to mess up the game, but everyone else just sees that I'm running my character in the game. Yeah. So, um, and this is something that I've been approached to by because I've had this opinion for a long time about because I've I've tried it. We've all tried it. Okay, is that people will say, "Well, when am I supposed to have fun? I want to get to play in this game too." You need to have a good time running game. Yep. If you are not enjoying that experience, that is a separate problem that running your character will never fix. Correct. So deal with that. The other dilemma that happens with this is that storytellers will say. Most people should never run their PC in their game. But, but I can't. It's okay when I do it because my players trust me and I've never had a single player complain to me that, that I was playing my own character well, They're not going to complain to you. But they're never going to complain to you because you're the guy who's in power. That's right. And mm-hmm. you know what they're going to do if it really bothers them? They're just going to ghost you. Yep. They're just not going to come back and they're not even going to bitch about it. Here's not to you. They're going to tell other people behind your back. And and the reality is that there is nothing you can do with your PC in that game that you, first of all, couldn't accomplish with an NPC. Right. Or that couldn't be viewed from some perspective 
as inappropriate. I'm going to circle around here, though, and say that NPC that's doing that thing you want to do, it better not fucking be actually your PC in disguise. (laughs) (laughs) Your NPCs are there only for one reason, to make the game better for the players. Mm -hmm. What are some other opinions? Well, a a lot of these are the same. Honesty is important. Mm -hmm. Don't lie to your players. It's Um, okay not to tell them things, but sometimes you should tell them, I can't tell you this. Players need, and, and that's the thing is, you need to let players be heard. Right. When they have a concern, don't stop them. Let them air the whole concern. Yes. Even if you know right out the, at the first words that come out of their mouth, you know what the answer is, shut your fucking mouth and let them air their whole grievance. Yep. They it's just have like to when, be heard. Like when somebody tries to tell you a joke, don't step on the punchline. Even, even if you know the punchline. Right. Here's two reasons not to do that. One, sometimes it's a different punchline. Well, that's true. And sometimes... Their delivery is great. But here's the other one is, you've just made them feel less. Right. Yeah, you're taking yeah. you're taking away their space. Right. Let them have space. If they have to accept hearing you tell them no, then you have to accept hearing them... Rant for five minutes about the issue. Yes. And you, sometimes that's all people need. Mm-hmm. I also think... Got it off my chest. I'm good. Storytellers should have, uh, have the ethic responsibility to say no yes. right. when it's bad for a game. Ugh. Say no, when it, please. Sometimes it's bad for a game. Sometimes it's bad for the player. Sometimes it's bad for you. I can't. You want to run a scene about rape. I don't want to run it, so I'm not going to. Period. If you don't want to, if it makes you uncomfortable, don't do it. No matter what the scene is. Get, players and staff both have the right to touch that X card. Absolutely. I don't want to run this. Right. Your background makes me uncomfortable. We need to work on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the last thing is, again, the same as with players, and that's be open to criticism. Yeah. Okay, so... And, and be aware that your players are not always going to be able to give it to you. And so be happy when you do get it. So here's the best thing that everybody's going to hate to do as a storyteller, because it was something that actually helped me a lot when I was OST. First of all, I tried to listen to people because I knew that I wasn't the best storyteller in the world. So what I knew that I could do, though, is listen to criticism and respond to it. Because one, it made people feel heard. Mm -hmm. And two, maybe something in there, even if they were full of shit, there was a kernel of truth. Right. So if I listened to that, then I could improve. At the very least, I could make them feel heard. And sometimes you would be scrolling through your Facebook page, and somebody would just be unloading on something you had done. Yeah. You have to be cool about it. You, even if you feel like that they're being totally dicks, which should be violating the, you know, the Wheaton's law, as the person with authority here, you have to suck it up sometimes and just listen and figure out what's really wrong. And, and this, I think, brings us around to why ethics are important. Uh, they, they promote ethical decision-making and ethical behaviors, and I realize we're using the word ethical even though we have such difficulty defining it. We sort of all know. But we know. We, there is an understanding, even if it's not a definition. That we have a, to me, it's a, this is what I was trying to say earlier, and I got stuck on the word good. It's a framework that we decide on will make us increase the amount of good. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, We're going to make better outcomes for those around us by applying these rules. It promotes rational decision-making. Right. And it, it encourages holistic thinking, where we're all thinking the same things the same ways. Uh, and it, 
It which sounds often, creepy, but it's not. Right. Being on the same page is a good thing. When you're building a community, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it helps us to minimize bias, personal bias, when, when we're doing it as a community. So why aren't we ethical? Because it's easy not to be. <laughs> Self, you know what? I, That's I see, an answer. Like, simplicity. Well, I see it every day at work. Self-interest trumps uh, ethical behavior. Right. Not because people are bad, but because they think, like, oh, I deserve this, so it's different. Yeah. I'm not cheating anybody. I do deserve this. Yeah. Uh, in in gaming, uh, so so there's, there's a, a lot of reasons why we aren't ethical. In gaming, a lot of times it mostly comes down to temptation and fear, which is uh, gain and loss. Right. I want to win. Comes down to winning and losing right. and risking those things. Yeah. Uh, it comes up to, you know, a lot of peer pressure can be a big deal in gaming communities. Also, uh, this is the, the, the huge one that I see in gaming communities causing the most trouble is rationalization. Oh, where you know, you, you kind of know you've done something bad. I know it's not ra- okay for me to run my PC in game, but I've never had a, a player complain, so I know that I do it well. My character is the only one that has this information. Right. So I need to be here. Yeah, you find a way to rationalize yeah. it. And of course, uh, the, the other thing that happens is what Jason referenced earlier too, is you just, you've had poor examples set for you in the past. You know, what he was saying about the, the storyteller that, that runs the, the DMPC, <laughs> because that's how he learned gaming. So now he's going to teach you the same way and you think it's fine. Right. It's normal. It's going to cause problems. So what do we do about it? We do better. We do better. I think we create... Strong ethical frameworks, which is really, really hard. Doing that requires what? It requires knowing knowing what the values are. Right. Thinking about it. I mean, that sounds very low, but and, like, just put some thought into it. And I think that part of that involves uh, a desire to improve mm-hmm. and a willingness for us all to share and discuss ethics. Commonalities. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a big part of that, too, is paying attention to what's around you. Like, seeing, seeing what works and what doesn't. Finding good examples. Good examples. You know, I, if, the, if the DMPC, you know, if you see that and you go, oh, that's not, no. Then don't do it. good. Then you don't do it. Right. Right. If you got screwed by somebody that's storytelling in a way that's bad, you yeah. should be like, hey, that made me unhappy. I shouldn't do that. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Right. We also need to do two things that are contrary to one another. Okay. We need to take away some of the pressure from people to do the right things so that they have the courage to do the right things. In org play, for example, Mm -hmm. you can have a band of players who only have part of the information raising hell to the board of directors to ban somebody or do this thing because we all know that, that it's right. But maybe they don't have all the information. Right. And so they are putting all of this pressure on people to make decisions. And then those people don't have the space to have the courage to make the right decision that goes against all that pressure. So what you're saying is give them enough breathing room to make a decision. Be heard, but don't pressure it. And on the other side of that, hear it and then have the courage to act. Because you can always come back after the fact and say... No, guys, you messed up. Right. You need to change this. You didn't know about blah. Yeah. Do you want to know what one of the most frustrating things I've ever heard on on a board of directors is? 
and I've heard it from somebody in every org we've ever been in. What's I've, that? I've heard it in TGN. I heard it in One World by Night. Mm-hmm. I heard it at Underground Theater. Theater. And, and I've even heard it from people in MES. What's that? Well, if we ban that guy, we'll lose the game. I'm going to say something really important here. <sighs> Fuck that game. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but there is that pressure. The pressure to let the guy stay because the whole game will leave. It affects the courage they need to right. do the right thing. It's tough to make that call and and diminishing the fact that, you know, I say fuck that game and I mean it, but in the moment, it's hard to make that call. Yeah, I believe if you're fostering a good gaming community, you're building trust in a way that will hopefully make people respect the decision that you end up making. I here's something that I found. Every but it doesn't time always made, work that way. Every time I made a really tough call, it almost always worked out for me. Yeah. Because I wouldn't lose the game. Sometimes the game would come back around. If I made a wishy-washy call, I was much more likely to lose the game and the players. Yeah. yeah. You know, they they didn't respect me anymore because they knew that I wasn't I didn't have the courage to, to do go what, one way or the other. At right. Least. Yeah. Well, I've got the courage to take us to game wrap. I doubt it. All right. Welcome to Game Wrap. Woo! Yeah. Everybody should go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever, and subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, you should. I think you should also leave us a review. Tell tell everybody. We're five stars. Follow us on Twitter, at Honor Roll Podcast. Facebook.com slash group, Honor Roll Podcast. Hosts at HonorRollPodcast.com will send us emails. And of course, once again, you can go to patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast, or you can visit us online at honorrollpodcast.com and check out uh, all of the stuff that's there, including uh, I've started doing a developer's diary for the gun belt. Oh, yeah, you have. How that's working. It's fun. Good times. Good times. Good times. All right. Well, this week's coming up, Ryan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, So this week, in honor of the United States women's soccer team winning the uh, winning the World Cup. Is this going to be a joke uh, about them Jason, paid less? you get 100 XP. Oh! And Carrie, you get 38. Wow. <laughs> Even though you contributed more to wow. the conversation than Jason did. But wow. I have more viewers. <laughs> you had more <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Jason yeah. had more I don't have more listeners. Right. I only have more viewers. More viewers? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it. <laughs> good times. Is, is that what we're calling There's this? good people on all sides of this that's argument. Right. That's right. Fine, fine, fine people on every side of this. <sighs> Well, you're both very white men. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. And that's why it's my privilege to say I've been Ryan the curmudgeon. Jason's the favorite. Wait, wait. I'm going to give Carrie 10 of my XP so it balances us out. Aw. How the hell does that balance? It's close enough! You cocksucker! <laughs> and Carrie's the legend. Join us next week when our topic is Jason has to explain all of the rules to Nero in under 10 minutes. No. Uh, no. I can't explain all of my personal rules in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ethics. <laughs> Until next time, remember the only way to win at a role playing game is to have fun. Have fun. Is this fun? No, not really. Okay, 15 next week. Oh my gosh! and opinions expressed on the Honor Roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. ¶¶